0: I'm going to try my best to get through this intro without breaking down in tears. For the last 20 years, I've called my grandmother every single Sunday. I don't care where I was, what type of bender I had on a Saturday night, what country I was in, what time zone. I knew that she expected to hear from me on Sundays. That was just our time to talk, and we would talk for sometimes hours, just about memories, about childhood, about how the family was doing. Last Saturday, my grandmother passed away peacefully, just as she had wanted to. She was ready to go home. I've asked my parents and my husband to join me on today's podcast because ironically, both of my parents are now without a mother, only one month apart my husband is also mourning his grandfather as a matter of fact we were on the way home from his grandpa's funeral when we got word that my dad's mom had died and ever since then for my family it's been nonstop grief i've asked them all to join me here today for a coffee table conversation my grandmother's funeral was yesterday and i don't have any more grandparents left my parents no longer have parents here in the physical sense we're going to be sitting down just talking about our feelings i want to understand where my own parents are as they navigate no longer having their own parents here before i do that though i just have to share a quick little snippet of me and one of my grandma's conversations over the years i did record a lot of them because i wanted to just remember them and so I'm so thankful that I did. Here's me and Lily just on a regular Sunday. Hello? Hey, grandmother. Hey, sweet. What you doing? I ain't
1: doing nothing. I was sitting down waiting for you to call because you know what? Hmm. I was thinking about it. My phone was off all evening. Off the hook? It was broke. How? oh, the man, the man come out and it. Oh, man. See? Uh-huh. I see and I hate saying, I said, I bit nauseous, but call me early.
0: Oh. And, I, and I didn't get, get the phone. Well, I'm calling now. What y'all doing? I'm coming to you in a state of mourning, in a state of loss, and in a state of grief and just trying to navigate. I know a lot of you all have, if you're listening to this in 2020 especially, you've probably seen my posts about Losing my grandmother. She left us a few Sundays ago, and my father's mother, my maternal grandmother, left in July, July 30th, so August. My husband's grandfather passed July, uh, the end of July as well. So I have my father here, my mother, and my husband. I was talking to Tony, you guys know him, you've heard him on the podcast many times before, and I was like, you know, I can hear my parents sometimes in the morning sitting around the table and they are now supporting one another as they figure out how to mourn their mothers. My dad's mom was 94. My mother's mother was 89. And we were close to both of these women. And I said, Tony, you know, they're down there helping one another navigate their grief on losing a parent. I said, but we just lost grandparents. His granddaddy. It's gone. My grandmas are, are are gone. And I asked my parents to join me today. So, and, and Tony, and we're having a coffee table discussion on just where we are now and how we're navigating grief. And this isn't really going to be a an advice type of deal because we're literally in the midst of it. And so one of the things I asked my mom and dad this morning, I said, can y'all come on my podcast again? Because you all know they were on... Season two, the first episode. So you guys have already met my parents and in my entire family. And I was like, can you all come and just talk about where you are right now? How, how you feel? How you're supposed to feel with losing a parent? We buried my mother's mother just yesterday. And so the feelings are still actually very raw. My father is also trying to navigate his grief. And so the feelings are raw. So I'm going to start with my dad because uh you know he lost my grandma he we lost grandma and i'm gonna call them just for the purposes of this grandma matthews and grandma jubert uh grandma matthews is is my dad's mom so i'm gonna hand this over to mr nate and so dad the question that i have for you is how how do you feel now how do you feel now that's just the the question that i could ask for you about all of this
2: well I'm really still processing everything. I guess you really never get through, you know, really processing it. But what I was fortunate, and uh, maybe unlike a lot you know, of people that might've lost their parents at an early age or didn't had, didn't have a childhood with them or something like that. But with my mama being 94 years old, uh, not that I accepted it, but it was a little bit more acceptable because she was there all my life and I got a chance to uh, know her and got a lot of good memories and everything, but that still doesn't negate the fact that she's gone and I never see her again. I never eat her potato pies and things like that anymore, you know. But the memories and things really what helps get me through every every moment. And you're gonna have moments when you sit back and uh, think about them, and you can't really reach out and touch them. But you know, as long as you touch uh, them in their life and give them flowers while they live. It it, it it helps get you through it. And right now I'm getting a little bit kind of, I'm going uh, to let hand the mic back to you and let you pass it on.
0: <laughs> so, um, you know, my dad, he's an emotional type of guy, but he's real machismo, so he doesn't like to show his feelings. But so dad was there every step of the way when grandma was going through her twilight, through her illness. He was the dutiful son that went to help and move her because she became immobile toward the end. He went to help move her. He went to go and change her dressings and um, help heal her wounds. Like he was literally there every day. And you don't really see that from sons, you know, sons will kind of feel like that's women's work, but he didn't do that. And so, you know, I think that's, that's one of the things that it was an exemplar exemplary to my sisters and I to watch both of them care for their mothers and their fathers as well. Um, both my granddads have also preceded them in in, de- in death, but my dad did the same thing for his father as well when he was uh, going through his illness, and granddaddy died at 95. So these are people that had very long lives. And my mother's father died. Well, how old was granddaddy when he passed? 80s, 87. 87. He was 87 years old. So, Mom, I guess this is a it's raw for both of you but it's so like we literally just laid grandma to rest yesterday and um she was here 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 with us at the house the week before she passed and I remember the ambulance the paramedics dropped her off here um to our home we weren't gonna put her in a nursing home it's COVID time and so that was not even an option for our family and the family had always kept kept her at home we keep grandparents and elders in their homes as long as we can even if they don't have their independence what my family will do is everybody will kind of take shifts and go and be with them so that's what we did everybody pitched in it became a, a family effort so grandma came here that Monday and I was sitting with her and she was like I won't be here long And I was like, what what you mean grandma <laughs> you gonna go back to your own house and she was like no baby I'm going to heaven and we kind of just cut out that talk It's like, okay, but she was dead set that first day. She knew, she said, I ain't going to be here long. And so, um, my mom, I got to see her being a dutiful daughter. I got to see her caring for her own mother. Maybe his grandma had cared for her many, many years, many, 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 many years ago. (laughs) I got to see her do that. And so mom, I guess my question, I can't even, it doesn't feel right asking you, how do you feel right now? But I guess the process of taking care of grandma, when did you accept that we were near the end for her? I like to say good morning and hello
1: everybody. Uh, I'm glad to have this talk, um, the morning after, uh, the burial, uh, how I feel this morning. Uh, I feel awesome. I feel great. I feel, I feel blessed. Uh, mom died at uh, age 89. Uh, I had an opportunity for her to be here with me, but even if she had not been here with me, I think my feelings would still be the same. She gave us fair warnings of what she wanted to do and where she wanted to go. Uh, In reading a grieving uh, book that was passed uh, down from my church uh, I understand that grieving is normal, it's natural, and it's and it is necessary. So right now, I feel, I'm feeling grateful for the time and the years that I had uh, to share with my mama. And of course, the uh, family and friends' support helped me a lot, and some uh, laughing also. I like to pass the mic back to you.
0: Y'all don't have to tell me that you're passing the mic. You could just, you could just hand it to me. Okay, there's a book that my parents got. It's called A Time to Grieve. I'm gonna read a passage from it, and 'cause what we're talking about today is the death of a parent, and more specifically, deaths that we kind of feel are coming. You know, they're not out of nowhere. And so the passage says, for anticipated death, many people mistakenly think that when a death is expected, this somehow makes it easier to grieve. Knowing that a loved one is dying might let you begin to grieve before the death occurs or have some closure with your loved one. But note, I said might, not will, because this may not actually happen. And knowing in advance certainly doesn't make the loss any less painful. And anticipated death can also raise many other issues. If you were the caregiver for your loved one, you may be physically or emotionally exhausted. You may have conflicting feelings, relief the ordeal is over, anger at the loved one for having put you through this, and guilt over having these feelings in addition to your grief. Sometimes an anticipated death can become a sudden death. Our loved one may have been terminally ill, but died suddenly of a complication we're left reeling from the unexpected loss while everyone around, while everyone around us thinks we were prepared for the death and in this case with all of us everyone sitting here at this table um Tony and I our grandparents were older Tony's granddaddy had colon cancer for He beat it 15 years ago. Then it came back aggressively and he decided that he wasn't going to go in for chemo or anything. He was like, I'm old. I don't have the fight in me anymore. Let's let it do what it does. And so I'm going to pass on to Tony to just get some of his thoughts on, we called him my daddy, my daddy. What's his name? What's granddaddy's name? So get some thoughts on just feelings on my daddy being gone and what that means for you as a, as a young man.
3: I think that, um, for me, I, I didn't want to become overwhelmed or stricken with grief. So I think I took a, um, I took an approach to this process that would try to help me to understand. You know, I think um, one of the things my daddy used always say, you know, and my dad too, you know, and all you're getting, get an understanding. So I wanted to get an understanding about the transition that took place. And um, one of the words that I've shared with my siblings throughout this process is evolution. And I think that. Um, one thing as, as, as humans We understand that there's A sunrise and a sunset So I started with that whole process Of you know That it was a part of life Dying is a part of living So <clears throat> in, in, in that understanding It transitioned to me to now figure out What he did on life You know during his life And I think that helped me to understand That a lot of my grief um, I can't call it selfish Because it wasn't selfish but it was personal you know, um, and what I tried to do and what's helped me over this last several weeks and months. Um, my process has started to become about him and not about me. And what I mean is that I looked at the way he lived his life and the things that he uh, that he did, that he accomplished, uh, the way he raised his family, the legacy he leaves behind. You know, he had shoot close to probably 100 people at his funeral during COVID, you know, and maybe more than that. But it was, it was an impact that he had. And my Dad my over the years, through all these life transitions that I had, I had the luxury of, um, of, of having him there to, to advise me through several big transitions in life, um, give me advice. And th- I guess the personal part of it, I felt like I didn't have enough time. I ran out of time. There were certain things that I wanted to do, and I wanted him to see me accomplish during life um certain things that I knew that he would be proud of so i felt like i got like like I ran out of time you know because like you mentioned he did have a um an aggressive form of colon cancer that did come back with a vengeance but he was he was beating it you know from what we were seeing but what we didn't know is that you know the amount of pain that he was enduring um with a smile you know so i think after that whole ordeal and, you know, several hospital visits, When I think when we as a family started to see, you know, the amount of pain that he was in, uh, it started to give us more peace with his possible transition. So then, you know, when people die, I guess what they become is the memories they leave behind. And every memory of him is a good memory. So me remembering him in a the, in the matter of sadness didn't seem fair to his legacy because it was such a strong positive legacy so it became a source of strength for me you know and it came a source where I would just find power in, in some of the minuscule things that I deal with on a day-to-day basis it's like wait well, my daddy he was walking around with colon cancer for five years you know maybe longer and and, and I, I can't complain about an email you know I mean? it, it, it just puts certain things into perspective and also helped me to uh to have something now, I don't have to speak to them. I don't have to wait to Sundays or whatever to call them or, you know, hey, get mom, can you put them on the phone? You know, I can close my eyes and talk to them now because having these people for this long, I had them for 37 years, um, you kind of know what they're going to say. You know, you, you 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 inherit their spirit and their way of thinking if you pay attention. So now I have topics in life where I may have questions or I may be like, this is something I'll talk to my daddy about. But if I really close my eyes and I really think hard about it, I can hear him talking to me because I know enough about. It. I know I know how he thinks. I watched him live, and people who are observant, you know, who spend a lot of time with their grandparents, you know, you you watch it in in the way they talk. You watch it in your parents, you know. I think us as grandkids, we watch the way our parents were raised and the way they, and, and that's a reflection of their parent. So we have a luxury of, of of being parented by them twice, both through them directly and then through our parents that they gave us. So. I think that's that's something you know we we, we come into life expecting, especially at an early age, we expect that that's gonna last forever. They come to our weddings, you know. We got pictures from them at our wedding, you know, and you know, excited to get them great grandkids and stuff like that. So when you know when that when that goes, it just kind of it's, it's sudden and it seems like something changed. But then again, you have to just remind yourself and remember that evolution happens, you know, and that's a beautiful thing about it.
0: So it's, I guess I'll go last, um, losing grandparents, you know, like, like Tony said, they're literally there every, every, we've been privileged, blessed to both say that our experiences with our grandparents was positive. I know that's not the case for everybody, but I do. So that's why I consider it a a privilege. And, you know, I just remember all four of them, um, mainly three of them, both my father's parents and my mother's mother being there actively for uh, all of my lives up until uh, for grandma, uh, you know, grandparents here recently. And so it it was kind of weird. Those first couple of days, I didn't think I would be okay. I genuinely did not, you know, just the the sting of grief, the shock of grief. I didn't do half the work, obviously, that my parents did because my parents were there every single day. I didn't have the years to grow up with them in the childhood memories. I had, um, well, I'm sorry, them being their children. I had the grandkid relationship and I saw this quote and somebody said, it's you bond with your grandparents so easily because that's a form of parenting where there's no ego involved. They literally have nothing to prove. They don't have the responsibility of raising you and rearing you. You know, they kind of, they get to love you from an extremely pure place and so if you have experienced that grandparent type of love, it is different from parents. You know, your mom and dad, they're disciplining and they're doing all that stuff. Our, our grandparents didn't have to do all that. They would if it took it, but they didn't have to do that. And so that allowed them to uh, experience another another side of parenting. And uh, hopefully, I'm sure my parents have both learned from their example as well, because they'll be able to, when they have grandkids, Tony's parents already have grandchildren. They'll be able to experience that. And so I guess the sting of it, those first couple of days, I was just like, okay, um, this is going to be hard. But then both my grandmothers who just left a month and some days apart from one another, they told us. Grandma Matthews told us the day before. She said, hey, uh, God's coming to get me. And she kind of said it with a smile on her face. And within 24 hours, her heart stopped. She was home in her bed, looking out the window peacefully. And with Grandma Jubert, my mother's mother, she gave us about a week's notice. When she came home from the hospital, she prepared us every day. Um, and in her own fashion, she was a businesswoman. She called a big old family meeting that Wednesday, and she sat us down. And she, she told us, she said, hey, I want to call all my children. And I looked at mom, I said, uh, we need to call everybody. I don't know what this means, but we need to get everybody over here. And so everybody came, all my cousins, all six of grandma's children. Thank God all her children are still living. And she said, and she said, I'm not going to be here too much longer. And everybody had different reactions. Some people were like, no, don't say that. Some people let her talk, but grandma prayed with us. She had a very great memory for scripture. Um, She told us to love one another and take care of one another. And so I kind of replay that moment over and over and over in my head. You know, it's, it's, we're still in grief, but it's hard to be sad over two women that were, had served their families literally all their lives. I think both my grandmothers became mothers by the time they were 20, right? About 20 years old. Yeah. And so from 20 years old to 89 and 95, they had served other people their entire lives. And so they were ready. Whatever that was, they saw whatever you believe, whatever. But I know what they believed that they saw on the other side was far more precious and so, far more sweet than being trapped in those bodies that were deteriorating. That has served them that had both birthed six, seven children for one of them, six children for the other. Had provided for their family the hands that had uh, cooked all those delicious Christmas and Thanksgiving meals, took kids to school, did hair, did homework, fought battles, fought segregation, fought Jim Crow, fought racism, fought being black women in America. These women had told us that they were tired. And we sit here in a place of respect for that. And we we still miss them for sure. But um, I guess for me, that's the one thing that kind of makes it A little bit okay, just knowing that they had full lives and what more could we have wanted from them? I asked myself that the next day. I said, "What could more?" You know, I said, "Just five more minutes." They didn't want to be here though. Those women did not want to be here. These were not tragic losses. These were not unexpected losses for us. Um, you know, so that that was a lot of the things with us. And so, family afterwards. What is a family supposed to do after the matriarch or the patriarch leaves? And on one side of my family, it's been pretty peaceful, blissful. And on the other side, all hell broke loose. Because one thing I realized is people sometimes would rather focus on, uh, instead of focusing on grief, because y'all know when you sit in that dark room or you're laying there at night by yourself, that's when the feelings come. You know, there's no distraction with television or other people's voices. You kind of just got to lean into it and sit with it. And so... You know, I've I've seen how both sides of my family are handling this. I've seen how Tony's family is handling their own loss, and you know, I guess I'm gonna pass it on to Tony here. Tony, how how would you say like how is everybody doing now? Because my daddy's been gone. He died July. Tw- was it? Tw- I remember we were on the way back from my daddy's funeral when I got a phone call that my grandma Matthews had passed, and I was like, wait, wait what? You know, it was literally. You know, I, I said, my daddy started it. You know, they say death comes in threes. Your granddaddy started all this, Tony. So, where is the family now? How how is everybody healing? Um, you know, what's like the the family? What's the compilation of everybody's feelings now?
3: Um, so I only have a direct window to to, to my parents. Um, right after the death of my my grandfather, um, his wife, my grandmother, um, she moved to Dallas to um, stay with my parents and my, you know, my family there. Um, You know, it's sort of a change of scenery and things like that. Um, She had, for the last several years, last 10, 20 years, uh, has lived in Minnesota. Her and my grandfather um, were residents of St. Paul, Minnesota. So after this, she moved down south um, to Texas with my parents. So I think that everybody's adjusting just fine. You know, I I use an analogy, you know, when we – Our young parents, you know, when we're raising young kids, we train them on how things go in the house, you know, um, how to lock the doors and just different things in order to be functional and productive at home so that, you know, in case we have to leave them at home by themselves, they know how to operate. Don't open a door for strangers. You know, we teach them all the safety mechanisms. And so I think that whenever we do get to the point, because my parents certainly did when we were younger, you know, they left us at home they would go to work or they would go to the grocery store and we'd be home by ourselves. So I think about... Our grandparents, you know, he spends his life training us, you know, so that we would be functional and productive in a life that may exist without them. So whenever they do transition, you know, we have the torch now. We run with it, you know. We spend time to remember them, and we, you know, we have to adjust in a way that we no longer expect or or are stricken by the inability to see them on a day-to-day basis. But I think that I know, I imagine that when I get to that point, you know, several, 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 several years from now, I think I would find peace knowing that my offspring and my and my descendants are able to move forward. You know, I don't, I don't really think that what they would want is for us to be stricken in a state of grief, so that life no longer moves and that we're, you know, unproductive and things like that. So I know that that's what he would want. You know, my daddy wants. You know, I moved away from from home at an early age. I mean, like 19 years old, you know, and I never really moved back to my hometown, Little Rock, Arkansas. And so every time we spoke, you know, my dad, one of the things he would ask me, where you at now? You know, where you at now? Because, you know, I had a job and a career that took me around the country, you know, so... And that's one of the things that he liked, you know. He knew that he was a part of my life, uh, in a, you know, in tandem with my own father, that prepared me to be a person who could go out and be productive in the world. I wouldn't have to be... um under a thumb or nothing like that so I think that what they do is prepare us so now our family everybody's happy everybody's productive you know we're coming up on a holiday season that we're gonna have to go through without him for the first time and that's gonna be an interesting thing to navigate I'm not quite sure how it's gonna go but I'm sure it'll be a lot of happy memories you know um now my mom she has three sisters uh actually five sisters and um uh, I know that you know everybody's is, is doing the same. You know we we're moving forward.
1: Uh, and, and, but you know it's hard, but, but it's not because um, I look back at my life and early on, what came in my mind don't nothing in life happen by accident. Everything is ordered and ordained, you know, by the Lord. So again, I'm grateful that mom last days uh was uh at my home i'm grateful that uh they chose me to be the spokesperson person to go into er with her that night and we i put her on speakerphone to speak to each and every one of us every one of the family members um, i'm happy that what i heard her say and after the conversation with everybody she said again nancy I'm ready to go to heaven to be with Jesus. And at that time, you know, I said, well, I, mother, it's okay. You can go now. It's okay. You know, you love Jesus. You go where you want to be. The family will be okay. But I find joy in today, again, like Naja said, the meeting, the gathering. She called on that Wednesday before she died on Sunday and she said, uh, I love y'all. Y'all take care of yourself and take care of each other. I find great pride and dignity. And so the day after her burial, uh, I thought about that. And the first thing I did was I uh, unknowing about what she said, or if I was gonna have this conversation that I, I called my baby brother and I just had to say something because she said, "Take care of his uh, each other." So he's at home alone, and I just called him and asked him for a, a box of tea, just to check his pulse. And that's one thing that's going to really help me through this process. It's helping others, you know, through their process. And then it's not by accident, but it's ironic that my mom died 9:27, and that was a day. Of my husband's mom's birthday. She always mentioned it that somebody, I mean, uh, her mom dad was beckoning her. But now my husband, and I joke, I say, even your mama was beckoning her because it was always, uh, Nancy, how is Lily? And then uh, Nathaniel's mom would say, the uh, vice versa. They checked on each other. It was a Lily Rose friendship until the end.
2: You know, I'm just sitting here listening, and um, Tony made a lot of good valid points. A lot of good valid points have been made here uh, today. But I'm, but I'm, I'm reminded, um, and, and you're familiar with science. You know, science is always trying to figure out the winds, the how, the whys of everything. And just like with death and everything like that, uh, sometimes we ask ourselves questions when we're alone. What is it all about? We try to get into a spirit that we really don't understand and only the answers belong, you know, uh, uh, by my faith uh, with with God. And I'm reminded of a little story that I heard a long time ago, and I'm going to close with this on my part. Science has always tried to figure everything out, whereas fate keep walking. It says science and fate was walking through the earth one day. And science, you know, science tried to figure out everything. They looked at a tree. I can tell you how tall that tree is. That's what science said to fate. Figured out everything. Just trying to figure out everything. They walked a little further. Then they saw a tree that had been cut down. And so I can tell you how old that tree is. See, I can count the rings around that tree and tell you how old that tree is. They kept on walking through the earth and everything like that. Then all of a sudden, science and fate got to this body of water. And signs stopped and faith kept walking. So that's what you have to do in life sometimes. You don't have to sit back and try to figure it all out because you never figured it all out. What you have to do is just keep moving, keep walking, and your faith to get you to it. Don't be trying to find out all the reasons why and everything like that, but to have faith and just keep on walking, keep moving.
0: Thank you so much, Father. Um, There's another passage in this book, and I'm going to post a link to it as well. And it's talking about the loss of a parent. It says, the loss of a parent can raise a host of issues. Deep inside, we often assume our parents will always be there. If our other parent is still alive, we may be concerned about him or her and forget about our own grief. If we are left with no parents, we may begin to think about our own mortality. And so do you all think about that now, your own mortality? You're like, okay, I'm this age now, and you start to do the math, all right? 30 years from now, from my own age is when my parent left. Does that kind of put your own life in perspective? Do you have any advice for us, me and the twins and Tony, on what we're supposed to do when you all reach that point? I guess that's a two-sided question, so answer both questions. You know, first question is, you know, where did this place your own mortality? Do you think about your own death? Do you start counting or subtracting years? And then what do you want me and my sisters to do when the time comes for you?
1: I have given it some thought. On Monday I'll be 64 years old, and what I feel uh, or what I advise you all to do it's when I step out of this this body and my spirit go to heaven. I want you all to live. I want you to enjoy life. I want my legacy to be passed on to you, your children, and children, children. I have visited. Uh, I'm a people person. A lot of friends and family. I visit a lot of lot of funerals, but and they have lost their parents. And I never knew what to say until, you know, I never say I understand what you feel because I didn't know. I didn't know the feelings that I was going to have when losing my mother. But I just kept the scripture in my head that I will be a mother for you and I'll be a father for you. So I'm asking God to fill that void. But as for me, I am ready to, like my husband just said, to keep moving moving forward now looking back i'm ready we are ready uh, to live this life you know to the fullest as they did prayerfully and hopefully we live to be 89 94 you know 92 we i, I pray that but if we don't we're starting today we're starting tomorrow to enjoy life our family and you know to keep god first
0: well, I think she pretty much covered all that. So, Dad, interesting question for you. Grandma said she told uh, your brother, my uncle, she said, I'm going to be with God. And she seemed like she was both of them. They just seemed like they were looking forward to it. And neither one of my grandmothers, and I know a lot of people like to refute, you know, because we are religious people here. And I know you guys, um, you know, every the people that listen to this you're from all walks of life, and that's why we can appreciate one another and sharing our own beliefs here. And as for my family and I, we are Christian people. We do believe in God. We believe in an afterlife. And you know, a lot of us have different definitions on what that looks like. But just to be clear, because I know a lot of us like to use science to refute facts, neither one of my grandmothers suffered from dementia. Neither one of them, uh, they both were in their right capacities, their memories, they literally talked about their memories from girlhood as early as four or five years old. Up until the times of their deaths. They never uh you know, we that's one of the first things that you do when you see that a parent is ailing. You just want to make sure that they um are in their right faculties. And both of these women were. So I can't even say that these were hallucinations. But I was sitting here with my mother's mother when she said she was looking looking not really out the window, but she was looking beyond me. She said, they're beckoning for me. And I said, uh, who, what you talking about, Grandma? Who, who, who? She said, my mother and my father and my baby. And I I, I didn't say anything for a moment because, um, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want her to go too deep into talking about that. But I remember having a very in-depth conversation with her. I, I I can literally visualize myself talking to her, but the memories because she told me something, but the memories of what she said are completely gone from my mind. So I do believe that she told me exactly what she saw, but maybe it was too much for me to handle. Maybe God didn't want me to know. Uh, Maybe she wasn't supposed to give that much information on what was on the other side. But I know that she told me. But the only thing I have a direct memory of is is she told me that they were beckoning for her. She was smiling and she told me who it was. And so, Grandma Matthews, also my father's mother, she also gave us um, kind of a, a prelude. And so, I wanted an interesting question from my dad Father, what do you think? What do you think is on the other side? What do. We know what they said they saw, but what do you what do you think is in that land of milk and honey, as they say in the good book? What do you think that? I want you to paint a picture on what that looks like. What's going to happen as soon as you your star heart stops beating here on Earth, and your soul has to go somewhere?
2: Well, first of all, I'm not trying to influence or change anybody else, but my fate uh, give me the uh, authority to believe what. Uh, and stand on the authoritative word of, of God. And he said that he was going to go and prepare a place and come again and receive it into himself. I'm not trying to preach to anybody, but I'm saying the authority of my faith would get me through my faith. That when grandmother said that, I think it was a message in it, it was a ministry in it to me to hear. Because I couldn't be there with her in those last few days because I got a little sick myself and I wasn't there. But I heard uh, from my other sibling that she said, he's coming to get me today. And my brother like, who coming to get you? Who coming to get you? And then, of course, you know, being in the natural and everything like that. And we heard that we don't want to accept that. And we just said, Mom, you, uh, mama, you know, you would well, just dismiss it, right? He said, she said, no, listen to me. She said, look, Jesus told me he's going to come get me today.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna be here tomorrow.
2: She said that. And I think what she did was when she said that, you know, I've been here, I've been there. I've never been where she was talking about going. But for her to have such a spirit of anticipation, like she had saw something and she was ready to go. Me, normally when I'm ready to leave somewhere, I get a little bit sad. But it seemed like she knew where she was going, seemed like she saw something. And when she told us that, she said it in a real gladly type manner. And like she was happy, like she was just ready to go. So I found a lot of comfort in that. And that helped kind of establish my faith a little bit stronger.
0: This has been an amazing conversation. And, um, you know, as we, we sit at the coffee table, I'm going to, once we return this recording off, we're still going to be left to live, as my parents said. We're going to be left to live. And just, I want to give some quick, tips just a couple quick tips uh, uh, for those of you that might be in a state of grief or you'll find yourself faced with it soon because as the old folks say honey if you ain't today keep living so the first thing I want you to do is take care of your emotional needs you know grief takes time and grief is work that's why they have grief counselors that's why they have groups this might be something that some of you some of us might have to go And invest in because we can't just sit home and do it alone. So take care of your emotional needs. You have coaches, doctors, pastors, counselors, nurses, all of these people that can help you. And there is no shame and no harm in picking up the phone, picking up a book. You cannot sit here alone. This is a traumatic thing. It's trauma leaving, uh, having a loved one to leave. Next I want you to take care of your physical needs because, you know, as we're meandering this emotionally, some of us will sit and wallow. We'll overeat. We'll undereat. We will lead very stagnant lifestyles. And so I want you just to remember to go get up, take a walk, call your family members up. Like my mom said, she checked on her little brother who still lives in grandma's home. So check on your loved ones. Go get up, go for a drive, go over there, go see people. Make sure you keep yourself um, active. And lastly, be easy on yourself and understand that this is a process. You cannot rush it. There's absolutely nothing. There's no amount of work you can throw yourself in. There's no amount of detaching that you can do. So be very easy on yourself and understand and trust the process this is naja hall i will see you all prayerfully next time and i hope this helps somebody you mom dad tony y'all think this helps somebody y'all yes, think it did yes, yeah yes, yeah yes, <laughs> yes, yes. all right you all i love you thank you for listening i'll see you next time all right grandmama right, Grandma. well i talk to you in a little bit tell so i get everybody my love okay i share with naja Okay. I love you. You just be sweet, darling. Love you too.
1: Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye.